It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy, and you're getting a midsummer update. Of course you are, because, like, it's rugby season all the time when it comes to Craggy. Anyways, it never stops. Does it, Alan Deegan? Welcome along. No, no, there's so much rugby on these days. It's it's just nice to be just on the viewers, viewership side of it and only having to podcast once every now and again rather than three times a week as we do in the full season. So, yeah, looking forward to this. William Davis, I suspect you're quite the happy man to have the Lions tour on your telly to keep you going uh, during this downtime of rugby. Yeah, Lions tour. We've had Ireland. We've had all the home nations playing. We've had France and Australia play the br- brilliant three-match series. series that most people may well have missed. Kicking games off on a Tuesday evening at uh, Brisbane time, 11 o'clock in the morning here. Very odd, odd idea, but... Uh, yeah, that, that that was a bit of a home dinger of a series. Mm. And, and of Olympics. course, talking and talking of lions, watching the lions in Marty Rabbits in the back oh, was wow. phenomenal at the weekend. I missed it that. Tell me more. Tell me brilliant. more, Alan. That sounds good. And yeah. Like it was, it social, was strange. social viewing. Social viewing. We we're sitting on our little table, and you know, everyone else was the kind of uh, the, the, the kind of clan were sitting at their table. Was, actually, did about three tables of kind of clan. There was various other supporters in there. But it was a bit of a strange pub because nobody was moving around between the tables. Nobody was sort of interacting with each other. So we were sort of chatting across the 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 aisle, if you want to call it, in the in the back garden in in Murty's. Um and where I basically I just I had to say it to him, I had the best steak I had since Dunedin two thousand and five. Do you remember that steak we had in? Oh Dunedin my god, that level! It was that level of steak. It was that's phenomenal. That is the best. Steak. That's still the best steak I ever had. I like. Yeah, um, no, I have well, to get up to Mar- Marty's. To Marty's were very, very close to it, if not topping it for me. Superb. Um, so yeah, watching it there, and 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 it was you know because the game was was so tough and hard. There was a lot of chatting going on, a chatting. So the people were watching it, but weren't fully engaged in it until the Lions scored. And then nearly lifted the roof off the place because there was a bit of a, an awning open, and they, they opened it later on because it was too warm. <laughs> Have you ever been able to say that in Ireland, sitting in a beer garden and it's too warm to so open up the awning to let more air in? Um, so yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. It was great to watch it. Um, looking forward to going back and watching. I already booked my table for for next week. I said to Adrian, if we afterwards, I said we need this table for same time next week, and if we don't, and the Lions lose, it's your fault, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just for our listeners, coming up in this week's podcast and this mid-team update, we've got lots of news for you, including some really interesting stuff off the top on Connex. So we'll get to that in a second. But uh, I just want to extend this conversation a little bit, William, because... Do you know what I've noticed about the no fans element is all the way through this Lions tour, you're missing the fans, you're missing the buzz, you're missing the tour. And there's one point, though, where you just don't miss them at all. And it's the second the ball kicks off. You just get wrapped up. Like, I know you could say it wasn't a great first half of rugby, but the intensity of that first half was so compelling. I sound like Will Greenwood here. I've calmed down a small bit. <laughs> but it was thrilling stuff. And I'm with him all the way, to be honest, on his enthusiasm. The second half was brilliant as well. I know Sky Sports do their Sky Sports thing. And it can be a bit much for some people. But really and truly, you got to love Lions rugby when South Africa wanted so much and so did the Lions. Yeah, it's. I think the stuff around it is complicated because there's no fans down there. There's, no, there's nothing coming back from fans having been on a Lions tour. Myself... It's all part of the deal, and it's also an interesting one because there's no media down there. All the media has been done remotely from up here, so that has changed the dynamic a bit. I think a lot of the stuff is coming through is a bit second hand. Um, and then the big story is the team gets leaked, and Warren Gatland is obviously very fed up with that, so he's decided this week that he's just going to tell the players and then he's going to tell the media. Uh, and that's the way he's doing it. He's, he said, I'm not having that again because that led to, to, to issues. But Lions rugby is different. And yeah, once the game kicks off, some of the warm-up games have been lacking because of the quality of the opposition, which is something they're going to have to look at because Australia won't be any different. New Zealand, it's slightly more depth in New Zealand and they can play the Maoris who are a, a test of their own. But that's a long way off. But it's been it's been really really good. Uh, they've done brilliantly to get it on. They've had to deal with a lot of stuff. I suspect there are challenges every day we haven't heard about. Andy Friend talked about that with Connacht. He said no two days were the same. I think in sports teams, they actually want every day to be the same because they just plan it out and do it. Mm. Uh, and it's at nine o'clock we go and train, and then you know you, they would probably be hoping in South Africa you'd probably go and have a round of golf. Uh, even though it's midwinter down there, or you do this. These guys have just gone back to the hotel, 
sat there or maybe done a bit of work in a gym. It's probably been really tough and it must be very tough if you know you're not going to get picked. I, can I just take up something you said there on on the uh, strength of opposition? I, I really feel at this stage, like the Japanese getting that chance to play the lines, it was a massive honour to them. Um, and I, I just think, you know, the opportunity you might have in Australia to bring Fiji in and Samoa into a, a single test fixture as well, you know, I, I think it's, I, like, I don't know how you feel about William or even swing by Argentina for a two test on the way. That sounds crazy, maybe travel-wise, but anything to just promote the world game. And I think this is a great opportunity to bring some of those teams, let's say, between the ranking of 7th and 15th into a bigger picture of rugby league. Yeah, commercially, I could see them playing Japan in Hong Kong. Hmm. Um, maybe even two tests or something like that, yeah. Yeah, I could see that happening. I could also see them going to Japan. Um, the slight difficulty is if they went to Japan in July, it's midsummer. And they'd be boiled alive. That that's why Japan have a real problem. The rugby championship don't want them because they can't play rugby July, August, and the first two weeks of September. They're actually a north if you look at the map, they're a northern hemisphere country. So that's a real issue for them as to where they're going to become a tier one nation. But the Lions has to be used for that. And I think they have to become a bit cleverer in how they set themselves up. The travelling fans are also an issue because they enjoy these midweek games and these Saturday games. Um, But I don't think the Lions got anything out of some of those games. Essentially, the story coming back is the team is being picked on what they're seeing in training and what happened in the A game. The the other games were just... When you go out and win 62, whatever it is, you've learned very little. And you can't play scratch teams. You're playing scratch teams. Imagine if you played even weaker scratch teams. You'd be winning, they'd be putting 100 points on the board. Those days are over. Alan, uh, you know, our listeners, and we're here to talk Connacht, uh, will be curious to know what you think about Bundyaki's tour so far. What do you think? Um, I think he, he, I think he's got a chance of playing at least one or two of the remaining tests because I think the... If you look at the weaknesses in the the Lions at the weekend, it would certainly seem to be at thirteen and on on um, Anthony Watson's wing because that's where the tries or non tries came from um, when they were put under pressure and they didn't handle it very well. So I'd be looking at like, put push Robbie out one and put Bundy in there to sort of give a bit more bish bash bosh because I believe both outside centres received a total of two passes the whole game. Hmm. So does it really matter whether your inside centre allegedly can't pass the ball um, because we know Bundy can? Um, yeah, why why bother? Why why not put someone like Bundy who's as hard as nails in there? I know he didn't do particularly brilliantly against the A, the South African A team, but we know Bundy. If he doesn't do well in one game against a specific team, he always does well the next time. Always, always learns from it. And so yeah, I'd be I'd be hopeful that we're going to see Bundy uh, getting an international or getting a Lions test cap. William? Um, I think for that to happen, he has to be prepared to move Henshaw, and I don't think he will. I think he'll bring Chris Harris in at 13. I don't think he'll move Henshaw out at 12. I personally think they should, because I think the South Africans were fired up on Saturday. Now they're in a do-or-die game, um, and they're already, you know, they've kept saying we're going to get better. Well, we'll see. I'm not sure the South Africans can change the way they play. But really, they they have one way of playing. It's pressure, 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 and hardness. Uh, and I'd love to see Henshaw at thirteen, maybe with half a yard of space, to see if they can actually create some space. The South Africa are going to have to do more if the game stays tight on Saturday. At some stage, they're going to have to take a risk. They have to win, and that's when I think you can get them, and they will tire. Uh, the other option would be put. Uh, Bundy on the bench, but he only covers the one position, centre, mm. and that and that that's tough. Uh, I hope Alan's right. I think he deserves his chance. I, 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 he, his figures in the A game, South Africa A game, weren't fantastic, but the whole performance in that game was was pretty poor. Um, so there's a lot of big choices as well. There's, you know, there's a lot of pressure. UK press thought Jack Conan was absolutely rubbish. And they want him out, and they want Toby Fallot. Really? Yes, they've absolutely. I didn't and, read much of that, but wow, <laughs> he was and, brilliant. And it, why, why do you think? Why do you think Gatlin bigged him up so much afterwards? Yeah, it, it's. He was, it, but he was outstanding, like. 
I, I, well, I thought he was okay, and I'm a big fan of his. But I think it's interesting. But because they're not down there, they have to write a story. And Warren Gatlin picks his own teams. Yeah, and there was yeah. Some... Do you know what? You talk about influencing selections. Yeah, forget about it. And the other yeah. fascinating thing was there was a huge amount of comment on Wales Online about the fact that Liam Williams and Toby Falato and Davis a scrum half and this guy didn't get picked, that guy didn't pick. And there was pages of it. And eventually one guy just put down in the middle, in Warren we trust. And I think that's the real view because this guy, ah. he, he picks teams, whatever he does, and they win. He wins on Saturday. He's won another series. He's two up. That's what they want. They wanted to win two test matches. It's going to be fascinating. The team is supposed to come out tomorrow, Tuesday, so it might well be out before this podcast is out. So it would be to see how we've done in, yes. in our selections. Um, I There's a bit of... Wynne Jones is struggling in the front row. So he's a big decision to make there. Uh, and Hamish Watson is a liability. He should have been yellow carded on Saturday. Oh, yeah. If he'd been yellow carded... They lose the test match, in my view, because I think South Africa would have used that space. So it's it's fascinating. And that's why we love it. It doesn't happen very often. It's every four years. Uh, so we'll see. Roll last on Saturday I, in Murtis. Last point I'm making this, Alan, as, as you watch this and you watch the uh, players from the Scottish, Welsh and Irish Union, you think of the URC uh, launch uh, next season. And we think about how they're going to promote it, but how we, we even promote it in our own social groups uh, as people come to the sports ground to see many of these players back in action. And if that's not enough for you, the stars of the lines in action at the sports ground, including one of our own, of course, you're, you're, this is the tour they're going to South Africa. This is right in time for the launch of the best South African players playing their rugby in the Northern Hemisphere in our competition and the sports ground is going to be uh, witnessing many of them in action for uh, whoever comes our way in terms of the fixture so I just think it does it's perfect timing for a URC launch from that perspective Yeah assuming COVID doesn't get in the way um, yeah it's, it's, it's absolutely bang on because it's COVID isn't looking very good down there in certain areas um, which might have an impact on the URC but yeah from your point of view look, look at some of the, the players that are out there you know, it's not just it's not just the the Leinster players. You're looking at some of the Scottish lads who are doing doing so well. Mm. You're looking at some of the Welsh lads. Like I'm assuming Alan Jones won't retire at the end of this season because he seems to be Superman. Anyone who can <laughs> recover from a from a, a an injury like that is going to keep playing. Like I, I wonder if he has Tom Brady as his as his focus. As like, yeah, he can keep playing because Tom Brady's out there doing it again. I see there was a interesting tweet where he he's throwing he's showing throwing a ball into a into a ball throwing machine. You know, you have these machines that, that launch the balls as a test mm. for the, 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 the wide receivers. I don't know if you've seen this. He's throwing the ball into the machine and it throws it back to him. It fires it back oh to God. him. And his third one, <laughs> he, he does it twice and he steps back three or four more and wallops it into it, knocks the machine over as it tries to fire it back to him. <laughs> I'm thinking, Alamon Jones, Jones is our Tom Brady, I'm assuming. So we're, you know, to get to see him in the sports ground would yeah. be incredible. And just guys like Ali Price, who's been superb against us, or, or Beard, who this season, like we were just marveling at. It's just, it's so great to, to see the quality of a player you know, at the, at the at the Pro 14 as well as or Pro 12, whatever the hell it was last year level, and then seeing them, you know, step up and look so comfortable. Jack Conan, great example. Every time he plays against Connacht, he's fantastic, and and it's lovely to see these guys at that level. So look, that's just a, it's a side point. I, most of our listeners don't need convincing of that, but it's always worth kind of just banging that drum that that's what makes you know the competition is a bit disjointed, and we'll speak about that in a while over the last few years. But what makes it so brilliant is the quality. Last point I make is just watching Faf de Clerk because we in Connacht have watched him tear us apart a number of times and then you're seeing what a world-class number nine he is and it's just lovely to think that some of our nines got such experience and learned so much from coming up against him um moving on conic news first of all it's been a really busy time since we spoke to you last obviously we've had a podcast out with andy friend uh, we had a great chat with him. If you haven't listened to that, do so. Uh, a really good time of year to speak to Andy. Very reflective and very fresh mindset. And certainly uh, had some really, it kind of changed my mind on a couple of things. When we talk about the new laws, I might speak about that, but that's another side point. I want to catch up on some conic news and where better to start than Goibay FM's roving reporter, William Davis. He's on the case and he's got some news for us. William, take it away. Um, well, Connick, Connick went back to training on the... 19th of July, which was last Monday. Uh, we're recording this on the 26th. Uh, 
on the coaching front, uh, Devault Senecal has joined the team as the forwards coach. Motti Lawler has stepped up from the academy. He's there. And Pete Wilkins. Colm Tucker is not back yet because he was the under-20s Six Nations forwards coach. And Andy Friend is away until August. And the new players that have joined and are now in full training are Mac Hansen, Shane Bolton, Leva Fafita and Greg McGrath. Uh, it's similar to last year. I suspect the first week was a bit of a shock to them because of the heat. And I'm sure Johnny O'Connor and the fitness coaches got great fun out of that. Um, but they are now allowed to have face-to-face in the gym, which is under IRU guidelines. So that's a help. It means that people are able to mix a little bit more, but there's still a lot of testing, temperature checks, PCR It's going to continue. COVID is still regarded as a major threat in in tight-knit organizations like this, and they haven't dropped their guard. But they're back in action, uh, we hope, on the first weekend in September with an away match in Worcester. Mm. And then the following weekend, they are hopeful that they will be playing London Irish at the sports ground. And those are the two warm-up games. And... Then there's a week off, and then the URC starts the last weekend in September. Interesting stuff. Alan, just to you, first of all, we saw some of our under-20s in action. A lot of people really enjoyed that. Again, it's, it's, it's with COVID, any sort of rugby on the telly, we're lapping it up, and it was a, quite an interesting championship. Good from a conic perspective. Five players saw a good bit of rugby action. Disappointing for Darren Murray, but we know of his talent. He just was unlucky through injury. But the other five certainly delivered as best they could. Oh, they certainly did. You had, you know, Shane Jennings in the centre at, at 13, started the first three games, scored a try in, in the first game, had another try. Should have been a penalty try if it wasn't allowed, um, disallowed on him for, with some fabulous footwork. Thinking, wow, it's great to see a proper outside centre who can do it. And then went down to the wing and played beautifully on the wing mm-hmm. as well. And then Cahill Ford came on and, and actually ruined the bet on me because I thought the Italians were going to beat us in their game. And I was really happy at half time because I thought, I can't see Ireland coming back. And then they brought on Cahill Ford and he completely changed how Ireland were playing. And he came on at 10, um, having played in the centre. Um, yeah, because he was down at 22. And then and he played, started in the centre for the other four games. So it could be this second playmaker we haven't had since um, Craig Ronaldson, you know, as someone that might oh, come yeah. in. I know he's still very young, but, you know, he certainly he certainly seems to have the, the head and his shoulders to, to bring something like that to a very busy part of the field that we already have loads of people in. Um, Danushi McCormick at seven started four of the games and, and was outstanding as far as I was concerned. I know Kandelin gets a huge amount of the credit and does look like a, the absolute real deal, but you still have to have guys beside you who are allowing you to do some of the things he was able to do and, and certainly McCormick and Byrne, Donica Byrne when he when he was on for his couple of games and, and came on a couple of times as sub really looked as though they lived they were well able to live with the, the rest of the guys from the other academies. And then of course Owen the Butler um at, at Hooker who who got the one start against Italy and played really well and then always made an impact off the bench um when he did come off the bench. So like it's it's looking good to see that of the, the six players who were there from Connick, five of them got regular game time, and the only reason um, Murray didn't get picked was because he was injured for the whole the whole time. And it looks and and that's and you know he was missed certainly against England and France against the bigger guys. Um, I'll just add to that that there was, you know, and there's a lot of from an Irish international point of view, and I'm sure you back me up in this. Alan, there was also a lot of like we don't have time to go into great detail, but there's a lot of other players that I'm just really looking forward to seeing how they emerge in Ulster, Munster, and Leinster. William, I just want to quickly touch on. It. I know it's been a few weeks, and we probably should spend more time. We will next season, but just such pride to see Caelan Blade and Paul Boyle in the green of Ireland on top of our lads who are adding to their caps. So it was a great end of season uh, two tests from an Irish perspective, but it was good from a conic perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. That That's what those test matches are there for. I mean, Alton Delan uh, was a vital cog against Japan when the wheels were kept coming off because uh, mm. he was keeping his head and uh, Dave Heffernan. But it was great to see two new players, Caelan Blade, Money Bay Boy, nothing like having somebody coming from a junior club in Connacht and getting to, to an Ireland cap. Absolutely mm. brilliant. Uh, Paul Boyle, we've seen him develop as a player uh, he came here because he wanted to get better. Could have hung around in Leinster and waited to see. He came with a plan. And it hasn't always been smooth sailing for him. 
but he again a bit like Alan said earlier about uh, Bundy he learns all the time if he has a game where he something went a bit wrong he thinks about it and he gets better and he put in a good performance America weren't up to an awful lot uh, Tom Daly was with the squad didn't get a chance which is a little bit disappointing there was two other players who didn't actually get uh, to play and that's very tough on them I suppose uh, all they can do is keep their heads down they, Ireland are going to America at the end of October for a game which might be another opportunity they've got tough games in November uh, New mm. Zealand and uh, Argentina I think so it's and Japan, um, and Japan, Japan Japan again so uh, it's there's a big opportunity there if you can seize the chance and all of them all mm. of them took their took their took their go yeah just on Tom Daly just something that I, I feel he suffered from that that I think Johnny Sexton might have suffered from not having somebody batting for him in the selection committee as was noted by the, the press from the eastern part of the islands earlier on in the year and, and I think Tom might have suffered from that sort of thing as well where I think he did well enough this year and did everything that was asked of him and, and certainly from a Connacht point of view was was the Connacht player of the season um, deserved to, to actually get some sort of game time with Ireland this year but hey ho if you don't have someone batting in batting for you in the selection committee you tend not to get picked I have no doubt Tom Daly will just uh, dig his heels in and go again as he did for Connacht all season so don't write him off for the November none of us will be anyways more on Connacht and on we'll finish this week's podcast with a little bit more on the new structures in the uh, URC and plenty more look we're getting so comfortable just saying URC it's amazing how we adapt so fast anyways love that uh, on the grassroots side of things Alan I really liked what the RFU did with the uh, update in the women's fixtures it was just a really strong kind of output of here's what the season's going to look like and it kind of gives you an idea of the fact that there's a little bit more focus I would suggest on trying to provide uh, the best women's rugby players in Ireland with a with a structure that they can really excel without a doubt without a doubt like there's still World Cup qualification to get done and, and putting the, creating the season the way they have they, they've professionalised it if you want to put it in, in that it's a really solid structure and like I, I'll just focus on the, the Interpro side of it because I, I don't really know enough about the AIL side of it to comment on it so I'm not going to say except that it looks good that it's, it seems to be put in a nice spot so I'll focus on the women's interpros and, and we start the season at home to, to Leinster the champions um, on Saturday the 28th of August at, at 2.30 then the following week away to Munster in Musgrave Park which makes it a little bit of a journey but I'm probably sure it'll be worth it again at half two on, on um, Saturday the 4th of September and finish at home to Ulster on the 11th of September at half two. Um, so it's great that there's two home games this year. So plenty for people to hopefully get to go and see and watch in the sports ground. Um, because I think it's really important that they, they get the support and we'll hopefully see the superstar that is Baven Parsons continue her stratospheric rise as she keeps playing so well. Like I remember seeing the first game she played for Connacht was a semi-final in St Mary's against Munster and she scored a hat-trick <laughs> like what a way to announce yourself at that level Having everyone knew she was good but to do it at that level was, was incredible and you know she's definitely someone that people should go and watch live there's the, the buzz that generates around the ground and you can see almost you can feel the fear in the opposition when she gets the ball Um it'll be something else to go and watch her play and so we've got two home games and then you've got the whole women's AIL season to sort of keep going after that so it's it's all looking good mm. and I believe they're going to be these games are going to be televised as well on, on nat- uh, national TV that's my understanding of it Brilliant and like we've spoken about this before Alan but like it's something we're proud of obviously in conjunction with Galway Bay FM bringing live interprovincial coverage to the wider audience I think we were the first province to do that I believe we were. I think we were the first radio station to um, do a live broadcast of the Interpro finals. Um, and myself and William climbing up into the, the rafters in Donnybrook. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, I've done the that. Cam- <laughs> the, camera, the camera folks, the, the, you know, both analysis teams looking at us going, what are you guys doing here? And we said, we're, we're here to cover the game. What do you mean? Said, we're here to cover it live for radio. Oh my God, really? What do you need? Do we, can, we can do for you. Great. <laughs> we're just ecstatic that they were getting some exposure. And it's it's really important. You know, it's it's, it's hugely important yeah. that women women's sport gets this sort of exposure. At one stage, men's sport have to have that sort of thing as well. So why can't the women be fast-tracked? There's some fabulous athletes out there that need to be seen and fabulous rugby players that need to be seen and given the opportunity. And, you know, the more it's out there, the better, as far as I'm concerned. 
William, uh, on this AIL side of things uh, for the men's All-Ireland League season, this is going to be amazing to have rugby back. I know my own local club are out training at the moment. And one thing I'll say to you, William, Alan, feel free to jump in on this as well, is I think we're fortunate with rugby, fingers crossed, that they've had a normal preseason. So some of our listeners won't be aware of this, some will. But one thing that's cropping up with the GA is they had a very short preseason for club football. And there have been an immense amount of quite serious injuries because they've gone three week preseason into games that are admittedly regional South Mayo, for example, uh, championship games. And But you can't tell a Gaelic footballer not to go full pelt and they are not getting back into full stretch. So I think it is good that right now, as we speak, William, every club from Galwegians to Clare Morris, Ballinrobe to Balnat are all in a full on preseason and they'll be fit and ready to go come September. I'd like to have seen the state they were in in the middle of last week when it was 30 degrees. That's an unusual one. But you're absolutely they right, Rob. They might have Rob. skipped the odd session there. Right they, they, I wouldn't blame them. Uh, but I think it is important. And there's some feel that there's a structure in place. They've got the fixtures out early, uh, starting off here with the, the senior league. Then you're going in. Uh, the cup will be based on the league. And then you've got the All-Ireland League. And you've got uh, Buccaneers are in 2A on their own. And then 3A, you've got Galwegians, Corinthians, Sligo and Balna. So there's lots of local games there. And Derby games, always certain difference to those. And hopefully they will get through their season. They will probably have some COVID issues here and there. But again, you've got to say the IRFU uh, have handled this very well mm. throughout professional and amateur rugby they've made good decisions we've had to deal with it ourselves when we've been going to games it's very strict but they were correct and now hopefully that will pay dividends and that these seasons for both the men and the women can run relatively uh, free and if they have an issue they'll know how to react to it all right, we'll move on to the uh, conclusion of this week's podcast. We're loads of bits and bobs I wanted to cover, but uh, I guess I'll start with, you know, just William, you touched on it earlier, what the preseason looks like. Can you just give us the full picture? Because a lot's happened. Let's start with this. We've got our European draw. I mean, it was a bit anticlimactic because we kind of knew it was going to be either or with a few teams, but don't be afraid to tweet, treat everyone out there like they've been on Mars and remind them what the situation is going to be. Yeah, I think we got two... I think we got a decent draw. We've obviously we're we're playing Leicester again, who give Connacht uh, a kicking in that uh, cha- uh, Challenge Cup game at mm-hmm. Welford Road uh, back there on on Easter Easter Saturday. Um, so they're in again. So it's the first time we ever had them in the Champions Cup. So that's a home and away fixture, and then um, Stade Francais Paris, as they're now called, and second time in a row going to Paris in the Champions Cup. Hopefully this time, fans will be able to travel. Those are two proper rugby destinations for Connacht fans. They must have lots of money saved up because they haven't been able to go anywhere for ages. Uh, So they're looking at the 10th and 17th of December. These are the weekends. We don't have the fixtures yet. And the 15th and 22nd of January. But if people can travel, I can see lots of Connacht flags in those grounds. Welford Road is a proper rugby ground. It's a, Leicester is a proper rugby. England is very lucky in that all its teams get big support. Um, yeah, I think they're the best supported team. I think they're the best supported team in England with you know fans through the gate. And like it is a citadel for me. I was gutted that I couldn't get there last year, mm. and I can't believe we've managed with a bit of luck. We'll we'll be able to travel and, and get there this year. And of course, it'll be the, their first time coming to the sports ground. And we've never played Stade Francais, ever. Mad. Mad. Which is incredible. Which is, you know, like, and, and yeah. you know, you know we, we'd, we'd never been to Paris before. And we get drawn to Racing last year and you're gutted because you can't get to Paris. And then we're getting it again. So someone's been kind to us from the fans' point of view. But there's, there's no reason to think that Connor can't put it up to some of these guys. Because I'm just looking at, like, Leicester have let go 16 players and signed 18 that's that's a huge number a huge turnaround of players and and Stade Francais I'm looking through the players going okay I sort of recognize him I know him but there isn't a massive amount of guys where you're going oh my god he's going to scare the life out of us so you never know Connacht might have a chance of squeaking into a quarter final 
They've done oh, well sorry. though in Stanford City. Last sixteen, isn't it? A round of sixteen. Oh yes, get it right. <laughs> round of but they've 16. done. They've done well, Stanford City, to turn things around and and get back up to this elite level because they've had some some tough years. Kieran in Paris, Arme Kieran, friend of the podcast, is going to fill us in on all that. I'm sure he prefers to go on a weekend away from Paris for connect away games, but for this one, we'll all. I think I think he did let, want to let everyone know that there's plenty of beds in his house. If we all want to stay there. No, we and he's going to pick us up in his <laughs> his nice big car. And yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, we're going to be well looked after. <laughs> And drive us around, and our, friends <laughs> exactly. at, and our friends at BBC Radio Leicester will be very helpful to us as well. I'm sure, ah, and they're looking forward to coming here because uh, it's a new ground for them. Excellent. Um, have you been in touch so, already, William? Oh, have, I'm sure you have. I have. <laughs> of course, I have, Rob. <laughs> How could I doubt him? Uh, listen, lads, we, as well as that, obviously, like Pro 14, we're not really sure what to expect. We'll just take what comes, William. Fair enough, fixtures wise. We know it's starting yeah. on the last week of September. Yeah. So just, it, just, to, just to give people a picture, uh, there's four match weekends in September. The first two are going to be preseason friendlies. A weekend off is what you see. And then the first weekend of the uh, URC. Yeah, URC is going to be interesting. It's going to be different. And it's only an 18-game regular season. Now, if you compare that to a 24-game regular season in England and potentially a 26-game regular season in France, it's, it's going to be... It's better, William. Uh, less is more William less is more William we're ganging up on him (laughs) thing is Connacht are then going to have to start winning more than one interprovincial here and there in the main competition because that's that that's going to be the key pressure a third of your games are going to be interpros and that's a big big challenge and they're well aware of it I think the slight issue I have with that is there's going to be a lot of blank weekends running together uh, if they don't play during the Six Nations and they don't play in November, and there's also a sl- they're being slightly disingenuous in thinking you're going to get we hopefully will see lots of these players. But remember, if they're playing international rugby, they are going to play international rugby and then they're going to go on a rest before they actually go back and play their club games. That's the simple truth of it. Ireland have gone up to four games now in October by taking this this game in America you've also got you know you've got your fight you've got your six nations games you've got your November there's a lot of pressure on player player availability I know they they're desperate to get as many of these internationals playing but they their club availability will be controlled very much by their international games so therefore you still need Connacht maybe will be under a little bit more pressure this year because there'll be players maybe going off to Ireland that that we weren't expecting. We, You know, Paul Boyle was an ever-present for Connacht this season, available probably every weekend, not playing every weekend. He might be disappearing off to Ireland here and there. So it's it's just a pressure. And you've got to applaud them. You want to see them playing at that level. So big challenges, shorter season, fixture list. Hopefully, I would have thought maybe two, three weeks down the road, they'll have to announce something. They'll want to start uh, bigging it up. They've lost their main sponsor in Guinness, who have also pulled out of the Autumn Internationals and apparently are very close to finishing their contract with the Six Nations as well. Hard. It's a big job to fill those spaces. That's a major brand. Uh, and they'll want to get the new sponsor in and then get the fixtures in and start uh, driving it forward you've got something well, on that, what, yeah, I was going to say that's where Jay-Z's Rock, Na- Rock Nation are going to come in and and um, hang on I have to I have to read this out because I, 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 I it, it's a specific wording that they use they're the strategic consulting partnership who are there to promote and market the URC they're already promoting Saya Khaleesi and Mario Atoje so this is this isn't their first foray into rugby it's their first foray into rugby at this level Um you know, at a at a league level, so it, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do and how they do it. <laughs> so, um, and maybe 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 that's why Connacht have a new marketing manager who knows about this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, do you know what, William? Uh, maybe I'm just presuming trying to bite on what they might do. But uh, uh, you love baseball, and you have done for years. Uh, as you know, I've just kind of got into it this summer. I think in in the not so much sport to watch. I just wanted to really give it a go and follow a full season, and I've loved it so far. A lot of the radio coverage and stuff. But one of the things I find online and things like Instagram is there's a thing called John Boy Media, and they they love doing things like taking a, a controversial incident and lip syncing what was being said and creating these kind of clips. Like every week, there's a, like a 
you won't believe what you just seen here type stuff. You, you know where I'm going with this. It, it, there, there is scope to make a sport feel a hell of a lot more than it is as well. You know, baseball can be great listening to nine innings, but sometimes you follow these Instagram accounts and it seems like the most unbelievably nonstop excitement that you'll ever come across. And I guess that's what they'll be trying to do when they're trying to promote the URC, just really capture, capture some of the, the high octane moments, I guess. Uh, yes, I think perhaps they're chasing a market that's somewhat younger than me, and and I have no problem with that because we all have to be replaced at some stage. Not yet, uh, not yet. We got time. It's well, it's interesting. The the problem that baseball has, if we talk about it for a second, they all sports are trying to future proof themselves. The average baseball fan is a fifty seven year old white male, which actually fills in my credentials exactly and the problem is it's not about now or next week or next month or five years down the road it's 15 years down the road that's what all sports have to do they have to find a way to get younger people involved Mm. and I think the sort of interactive social media is key to this and it's on all the different platforms and it, at the moment, it's a bit of a confused mess. The teams, the teams struggle with it a bit because they want control of it. And they real, I think they're beginning to realise that controlling all of it is very difficult. So you need to appoint somebody to take care of that part of your game. And you still have to provide regular information, if you like, like such and such a player is injured or the more mundane stuff but you also have to try to go out and engage with a fan base that maybe in many cases doesn't attend your games that often but they will follow you on social media they'll buy your kit they'll buy your second kit they'll watch a game at home with their mates and they'll all be wearing the jerseys getting them into the stadium is also a big challenge Uh, and all sports organizations sports clubs working to that that all the time and america is the lead in this some of the Mm. stuff i find very cheesy Mm. but then i'm already watching the stuff and i'm already engaged they they've got me they hooked me years ago so i have to understand that actually there's other people out there don't and they don't watch it the same way that i do and rugby is no different yeah. Um, and that's that's the challenge for rugby. It's the challenge for the head organizations. Uh, you know, they uh, you've got the top 14 in France. You've got URC. They've all got the same challenges. Uh, and it's I think they're dipping their toes in the water with some of the stuff. Mm. And some of it is not going to work. And some of it might work if it's refined. And some of it might work from day one. Thoughts, Alan? Yeah, yes. My understanding is that in basketball, they allow fans to immediately cut and paste stuff into their Twitter feeds or their TikTok or whatever social media that they use and post it out there and say something about it. And the viewership has gone up a huge amount because they're engaging with the younger people, because young folks, even I start to do it now. There are some games I just follow on Twitter and wait for the wait for the try to pop up or wait for the score to pop up and you can see it. You know, and then you can get on with your life and still follow your sports team. If you if you haven't got time to sit down and watch the TV, the the problem with the the problem with the TV is that you have to pay attention to it. Whereas if you're you know if you're if you have radio access, then you can be doing other stuff and listen to things. But if you don't have radio access, then the next thing is social media, and you can just have a quick look at the phone, stop, look at the highlight, and go yeah, and then feel engaged. It's about engagement. It's about this is what all the games are about. This is what the whole games industry is about, and it's what betting is about. It gets you engaged. Everything is about engaging and, and getting the attention of somebody. Um, and the younger the younger people all do it with their phones. I, th- I think one of the big challenge it, it is that that and I don't think the the clubs get I, I I've sat in on a few of these conferences this year because they've all been online. The sports organisations, your your MLB, Major League Baseball, NFL, Football Association, UEFA, they have a very good understanding. The clubs have a fairly good understanding, but it's the actual service providers who know an awful lot more about it. They understand the engagement. Uh, and one of the biggest engagement things looking forward, NFL games that are, that, are, that are online, 
is fans talking to each other um, and cross-matching with each other. No, we all do that to some extent because if you're in a WhatsApp group and you're watching a match, it's going to be over. So we've, we've already taken that on, even as old fellas, myself and Alan. We don't count you as old yet, Rob. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I, like, I'm really, there isn't that much between us, lads. <laughs> like we're all going down in this conversation. You're, you're only middle age, there, but, you're but, it's, age. but it is there. The danger, the one thing that they have to get a handle on is the abuse that is handed out to players yes. Yes. yes and that is a massive problem that's the flip side and, that I, I, and, and William if I can jump in there that and Alan's really pertinent point about betting which was really interesting there that he as he pointed out that it's it's an engagement factor so so sometimes I think oh sports are in cahoots with the gambling company because all the money the gambling company are going to give them but it's not just that they have an interest in the fact that gambling companies guarantee engagement it's a really interesting point that Alan made there and I think again the sports organisations will realise just like you said with social media there and just you can extend this point is like with engagement comes the unintended consequences of negativity be it gambling problems or in this case abuse and bullying well it does and that leads us in very nicely to an interview i've just done with jack carty uh for the tackle your feelings project Uh, and i would urge people to listen to what he has to say on this about how he has had to deal with negativity on social media uh he doesn't call it abuse by the way it's just his, as he said himself, he had to learn how to park this stuff because it's just negative. Some of the stuff that went on in the Euro Championships against the English players, I've seen some of that stuff was sent to me um, because I asked for somebody in England who had access to it. It's disgusting. I actually took it off my phone. I didn't want it on my phone. That is a problem because people are given power to engage they think they're engaging but in fact all they're doing is being abusive they're entitled to say player x didn't have a very good game or why didn't he put his head in there or how the hell could he miss that but it's a lot further than that and that's a can of worms that sport and the media companies will have to have because once it opens up the control goes and i think that's the big challenge for sport they're still unsure they want to have this because they know they need to engage, but they need to keep some control as well. Uh, and as you know, Rob, American sport, you have your team broadcasters uh, for all sports, the home team. And they have to, it's a very tough line for them as to how critical they can be. Uh, and you see it sometimes where they, you feel they need to be more critical but generally, I always find when they really have to be critical, they will be critical of that team or what they did. Uh, Houston Astros, for example, were caught cheating in baseball. Well, that was a very difficult situation for their home broadcaster, but they have to make a decision. So mm. it, it's all changing and it's changing rapidly. That's, that, that's the other thing that I think uh, worries sports a bit because it seems to change from month to month. Um, and I've no doubt that an organization like the URC are going to look, they have to get bigger engagement, younger engagement, and they're going to look to their teams to do it, but they're also going to drive a certain amount of it themselves. Alan, you and I listen and follow cycling uh, an awful lot. I, uh, the cycling podcast had a really interesting insight. William talked about, and William's brilliant for this, obviously, as we know, as you and I know, going, just take any, someone says there's a sports and business conference. William's like, yes, sign me in. <laughs> I won't ever listen. And like, uh, I think uh, Richard Moore and the cycling podcast went along to a PR conference where basically PR companies uh, and cycling teams were talking to young riders about how to present themselves in the media. And it was a fascinating little insight when w- the question was asked, how do we respond to questions about drugs uh, so Pogashar obviously got that question and they were told by the PR companies and the people who are behind the PR management teams of these cycling teams not to answer the questions to avoid the questions which which is is one of the more alarming elements that we hopefully will keep a check on with this progress because while I think we're as let's just you know as as, as under, we're understanding that there's a younger audience and it's not necessarily what we grew up with and it's not necessarily what we want as in personally we fully understand that it's good for the game but what what i think where i have fear is authenticity like players having a chance to speak as well as jack carty speaks on a range of topics and how open he is whenever we get a chance we want them to be that way and we certainly don't want when serious issues come about like drugs and sport for example for this kind of universal or whatever else or these kind of overly managed 
messages do you get where i'm coming from i do and 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 my my take on that would be that that impacts the mental health of that you know sports person because they're having to hide stuff they they don't necessarily want to hide because Mm. you know if they're clean and hope to god they all are and the likes of pocket chairs clean and and you know as a cycling fan i'd believe they are because yes he went and won it and it was oh he won it by so much but the reality is he did it on one day really the rest of the time and everyone else was really was close to him yeah and the competition was poor um, but and he didn't go out point, he, he yeah. didn't, you know he didn't win he didn't win the Olympic road race he didn't you know he didn't go and win the last you know time trial because he's, he's human and, and it is possible to do some of the things that these guys do that's what makes them special Alwyn Jones comes back from uh, a dislocated shoulder three weeks later and plays a full on you know one of the most brutal tests you're going to see and last 80 minutes some people and just, just watch Colby burst through players there isn't another player who can do that in the world he's so far ahead of every other player in the world of rugby in what he does you might be a person who loves rugby hates cycling and thinks cycling is all cheats and rugby players are, are, are just based on the fact that one guy's so far ahead of the others look at Colby he's so far ahead no one's ever going to talk about cheating when it's coming to footwork and yeah. acceleration so uh, yeah the, the, the great thing about sport is these exceptional unique yes. talents just burst out of nowhere yeah. Yes, and I possible. love your point, yeah. Alan, on, on mental health. You're absolutely right because if there's a if there's a containment on players not to express themselves in whatever format, be it on extreme mm. subjects like that, and not to honestly kind of just open up, you, you lead to people who are just wound up tight. Yeah, exactly. And, and Jack shows it. Jack shows it perfectly. If you if you listen to the pod, we can we'll throw in a couple of snippets here, and you can listen to the full thing on. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll pop it up on, on um, patreon.com slash craggy rugby the, the whole interview will be there because it's really good and from William as always um, and Jack's a fascinating character and it's great to see mental health and mental wellness being brought to the fore by sports people because then it, it helps, helps permeate it into the rest of the world and it's okay not to be okay it was one of the big things you know it's, it's okay not to be okay which is a huge thing to say um, and it's great to see and it's it's brilliant to see it being brought more and more to the fore and hopefully it will help in catching the people who are putting all the abuse out there in that stop them getting the abuse because people will call them out on it you know you do it in the stands we used to do it in in you know there were there were times in the clan where one or two guys were throwing abuse at players and you just turn around and say stop and that's how you do it it's self-policing it doesn't yeah, need can I say some well? organisation to do it. It's Everybody themselves have to take a little bit of responsibility and stand up to the bullies. Can I say it as well? Dog whistling within media too. Uh, personas who are given platforms to be funny and provocative in their analysis without adding anything else, who will question people's manhood in a funny way, but actually are really uh, what I would call dog whistling Mm-hmm. towards the bullies you know that's yeah. that version of it they're saying oh but sure I'm only having a bit of crack yeah so are the 15,000 people are going to pile into that guy's Twitter account and, yeah. and also question whatever type of characteristic they want to question and uh, one or two of them have fallen by the wayside in, in different Irish sectors in the last uh, let's say few weeks slash months and good riddance I suggest but anyway it's enough of that that's all I'm going to express on that. And uh, moving finally, William, we don't have enough time. Will we give it a good bit of time again? The new laws. I mean, there's a 50-22 coming up, which I like. It's going to open up the game. There's the being held up over the line, goal line dropout, which I didn't like until I listened to Andy Friend. And now I've turned to full 180 and started going, yeah, maybe it makes a bit of sense. Andy Friend thinks it's going to open up uh, uh, different variations of attacking play and not keep it so simple, simplistic. I like the 50-22 because it does ask questions about whether you're going to pull players back into the, uh, into the back uh, three. So I like experimenting on that. Maybe speak to that and is it too much too soon? Are you happy enough to see how it goes? Um, I'm always slightly concerned that everything like this comes from the Southern Hemisphere. We obviously aren't capable up here of actually inventing any new laws. Um, and I my I don't like the goal line one because I think a lot of the goal line defence that stops those type of tries is illegal. And referees don't have to police it now because they know they can just award a five-meter scrum to the attacking side. So provided they apply the laws and the defensive team are pulled up for their illegality stopping those type of tries, then I think, okay. But I don't think the referees will. I think it'll be just much easier to blow the whistle and say, you you kick it back to them. That's my view. Uh, and I'd love to talk to some of the senior referees about that because we should do that stuff, for a pod. Yeah, that sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, uh, the fifty twenty two. I think yes, that's an interesting one because I think it's really skillful out halves who can kick the ball properly. You now need a kicking out half who can kick it properly. We have one. Jack Carty can do things off his boot 
that other uh, out halves can't. He doesn't always get it right, and sometimes it's a bit of it. It, 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 he can be left looking a little bit forlorn when it goes wrong but when he nails it he can cut it off the edge of his boot he can slide it into touch and even if it doesn't go into touch if you can get the ball really tight to the touchline and get a player turned it's old fashioned rugby it's the stuff that was going on years ago it's not this isn't new maybe there's nothing yeah. new in the world but I think that's going to be really interesting to see and I think there'll be certain teams will will be, he can put them under real pressure if he can get that bit of his game flying. And and uh, Conor Fitzgerald and any of the, Mac Hansen, anybody who's playing it out half, they're all going to have to be able to do this now, especially at the sports ground. And it might improve the kicking game. That will be fascinating to see how teams use it. It'll take a while for it to bed in. I like that. And, and I'm delighted, by the way, that the red card nonsense 20 minutes is gone and the captain's challenge, which here, was here to that. Yeah, awful. And there's some interesting stuff around latching on to when you're attacking on the fringes of rocks, which we'll get into in a bit more detail closer to start of the season. Oh, that'll, be, that'll be for Niall. That's yes, kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Oh, man, he's going to love that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you he'll have a lot to say on it. All right, that's almost, that's almost it. We said we'll have a mid-season chat. What do we have to talk about came up in the initial chat? Uh, well, I think you've found we've had plenty to talk about, Alan. We have indeed, yeah. Yeah, it's just been huge amounts going on. There's still so much more rugby and the, the Lions have only just have been finished and we'll be getting ready for the first pre-season game and the Women's yeah. Interpro. So, yeah, fabulous. Love it. Love it. Keep it coming. Good stuff. Uh, stay in touch with us and follow us on Patreon and sign up. And give us uh, the price of a cup of, cup of coffee a month and you're helping us so much and you become a super friend of the podcast. Uh, my nephew was home there for a while and he's just obsessed with the word super and now it's slipping into my podcast. So shout out to Joshua there. Um, uh, William, thanks very much. Thanks indeed. Yep, but uh, it never ends. So we'll talk again probably the middle of next middle end of next month when we're getting ready for... We'll be very close to uh, action and hopefully fans in the sports ground watching some of the action. Oh, bring it on. Cannot wait. There's been a lot of emotion around certain games. Offaly won a under-20 football championship and even the 200 fans there added so much to it. And there's been loads of other examples of that. And it's been quite something. So uh, more of that, I say. Uh, every step closer to fans coming back, even if it's just a handful to begin with, is a good step. So as Alan said, those women into pros, if we can get a few fans in there, that'll be a good start. That's it from us. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Loose. Cut it loose Break out Or nothing changes Sad